Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be exploring what happens when a soul lingers after death or doesn't move on. A weird dichotomy of opinion exists in spiritual circles concerning our deceased loved ones once they have crossed over. One group thinks of them as loving, hovering angels who look after us and wait for any chance they can to impart messages to us. The other group sees them as instantly enlightened, awakened Buddhas or archangels who are omniscient and omnipotent and can be called on to provide anything we need like our own personal fairy godmothers. I over-exaggerate a bit. Forgive my dramatic license, but it's funny because at the core, it's somewhat true. A growing percentage of people embodying right now are high-level enlightened beings who are coming to be of service. They're coming to help the paradigm shift which is occurring, to help people as they awaken, to help the world shift into a new way of being. So there are many who are and will slough off this mortal coil and reveal themselves as amazing beings of light. There are also very large numbers of beings who are essentially good people here to learn new lessons on what it is to be. They fail, they succeed, they flounder through life like all the rest of us. They love, they hate, they grieve, they laugh, and when they pass, the love they have for the people in their lives doesn't end. It grows, and they expend some of their beingness keeping track of those who are still here, stepping in to support them in this life, watching over them, and continuing the relationship in a new form. This is how we like to think of life after this life, and for most, this is how we experience it. But for others, things don't end up like this. The thing I think people get caught up in when attempting to remember the other side is this notion of heaven and perfection and the notion that release from this mortal coil means release from all pain and suffering, anger and hate. Unfortunately, I found Christianity to be more right than not in this case. The only hell or heaven is the one we carry with us. In Paradise Lost, John Milton famously wrote, The mind is its own place, and in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. Some people who come here, essentially good people, for one reason or another become bitter. They fail to learn the lesson they set out to achieve, or they learn others they didn't want. They become unpleasant people, and they often choose to do unpleasant things to themselves and others. To make things even more complicated, there are those who, while being essentially good, have struggled and been unsuccessful in learning an essential lesson or lessons. They've tried in previous lifetimes and failed to learn, 
and so agree to enter into a life which will confront them more strenuously with the behaviors which are preventing them from learning. They enter into a life they know will be difficult, possibly unpleasant, full of struggles, but all pointing them towards salvation, if you will, all geared to relent when the lesson is learned. This is fabulous if the aha moment happens, but miserable for everyone involved in the meantime. So what is existence like for these two struggling groups when life ends? Each soul, upon death, detaches from the physical form. They may linger for a time near the body to acclimate as they transition back to a non-corporeal natural state. Between existence in human form and the soul's return to the Akashics, a state of separateness remains, mostly on the part of the soul's consciousness as interconnectedness is not yet something they remember. And as a state of separation is a key part of the embodied experience, and built into the physicality of place, the soul immediately finds themselves unable to affect physical things. This is the state our guides and helpers work within when interacting with us, and is somewhat accurately depicted in ghost movies. Souls also immediately begin to reawaken to the fact that time is rarely linear anywhere other than in an embodied life, and they are no longer subject to it. This can cause anxiety if they have any lingering desire to contact loved ones who remain embodied. Usually, by the time they recognize the issue, they have already said their goodbyes or have reincorporated. Rarely is this an issue unless a grieving loved one cannot get past the body's death in that lifetime, or strong emotions cause the soul to linger. When a lifetime ends, the soul is released from the body, lingers for a time becoming reacclimated to their natural state, saying goodbyes, blessing those they cared for in life, and then begins to release the embodied sphere. Most souls then travel quickly to be united with their soul group, peers, or teacher, and to begin the reintegration process. Reintegration can take several forms depending on the soul. The first step is usually a reawakening or remembering of the soul's true nature as a unique piece of the numinous and fully interconnected with all things. For younger souls, this is usually done in the presence of its soul group. This can seem like a reunion with all of our loved ones who have already crossed over, and wouldn't be an inaccurate description. The reunion is brief but joyous, allowing reconnection with a feeling of family and community and home before the work of life review begins. It is at this point that decisions are made. For high-level enlightened beings, the life review process is old hat and a pleasure. The experience is like slipping into a warm bath after a long day. They are comfortable with their failings, their limitations, their skills and successes, and they quickly integrate this life's experience into their totality of being and rejoice at the becoming that they have achieved, 
and the rich gifts which come from being of service to others. Those who have gone to learn lessons know there is sour with the sweet, know they didn't succeed 100% at everything they attempted, but they have also come to be enraptured with the tapestry which interacting and entwining free will choices between themselves and everyone else they have ever met create out of threads of life, and they revel in the wonder of it and who they are now. But there are other decisions. We all have free will. There are some who refuse to accept the responsibility for their choices, for their failures, for the hurt they have caused others, even as they re-experience this in their life review. Or having failed to learn the lesson they sought to learn, they become more entrenched in bad behaviors than they were before, causing things to be more difficult to learn in the future. And one other option, which is rarely written or spoken of, the person may refuse to go through life review at all. They don't go into the light, into seclusion with their teacher, and do the in-depth review of each instant of their embodied life. They don't reintegrate the part of themselves which is here with the one they left behind. They don't take on the knowledge of what it all means and incorporate what they did learn into their higher self. They stay exactly who they were when they were here, which is usually the really nasty dad or mom or Uncle Morty or Aunt Eunice who was abused and or abusive in life which means when we contact them after they've crossed over, instead of getting loving messages and support and confirmation that all is well, we can get an earful of abuse and a continuation of the nastiness they perpetrated while living. Sometimes what we get from them is confusion, because they're so lost in what could have been, what they deserved, what should have happened, and how things could have been perfect if... Well, they create a bubble around themselves of that perfect but unreal life and are shaken when the actual people contact them, intruding on their manufactured reality. These people aren't alone. They aren't left to fend for themselves. Each has guides, teachers, and mentors, just like all the rest of us, who watch to make sure they don't do harm to themselves or others any further. But free will means they have as long as they like to delude themselves into believing they can manufacture some perfect world, where they aren't responsible for anything. They can have everything. No one else matters. Their actions have no repercussions. And they don't have to censor anything they think or feel. At some point, they will come to the realization that this isn't so. But time has no meaning in the Akashic, so they have all the time in the world to get there. Meanwhile, as I've stated in the past, it's handy to know who you are speaking to when you reach out to beings in the Akashics. Some of my clients have reached out to deceased family members to find them remorseful for having been stinkers in life and wanting to do what they can now to be of support. Some of my clients have reached out and found the person is just as much of a stinker now as they ever were here. 
In fact, they can hurl abuse just as well, if not better now, than they ever could before. Just because we don't wear the body anymore doesn't mean we don't continue being human. When I encounter a situation like this, a soul who was stuck in this way, I send them love and prayers for their healing and learning and becoming. It's the best that can be done. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be looking at ghosts or what gets left behind after we cross over. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thanks. Bye.